0: This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, April 3rd. Welcome to episode 87 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. And this is a weekly baseball podcast. Paul and I are twin brothers. We come to you from Champaign, Illinois. Paul, it's opening day. It is. Exciting stuff. What's your uh, current level of excitement? Yeah, I'm super excited. So we're recording this Sunday. The Yankees and Rays uh, are going on right now. I think the Rays are winning pretty big. Uh, But Then we've got the Cubs-Cardinals tonight. That's big uh, in this area. Mm A sign of the times, I was uh, invited to two different uh, watch parties for the Cubs-Cardinals opening day. And that is more than any uh, opening day in the past. I don't think I've ever been invited Mm -hmm. to a a watch party. Uh, There does seem to be a buzz in the air. I feel like I like keeping opening day on Monday. You, you don't like the games on the Sunday before? Mm, I like all the games being on the same day, or at least the games I care about being on the same day. Hmm. Uh, next year, it starts, I think, on a Wednesday. It's new in the collective bargaining agreement. Huh. Uh, I like having one or two games the day before. Hmm. Kind of a special thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a buzz tonight. but As a White Sox fan, uh, you're kind of uh, not part of the club. So, uh, How are you feeling headed into the season? Uh, not part of the club as in like, well, like Cubs Cardinals fans are excited about the game. Both, uh, both fan bases, uh, you know, have genuine excitement about Mm -hmm. possibly making the playoffs. Uh, the White Sox, you know, aren't part of that mix. I mean, they would be the, the third biggest fan base in the area. Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm a baseball fan and I do a baseball podcast, so, uh, good baseball excites me. So I, I feel a part of the club and I'm offended that you say I'm not part of the club. Well, I mean, it affects you in some way, right? It will be on. I guess I won't be like glued to the TV. I'm just talking about the White Sox, like how you feel about your team going oh, into the season. I'm excited about the Sox, which is weird because this is like the first year in like 20 years where we've essentially admitted before the season we don't have a chance of winning. It's weird how that psychology works, but I'm excited. We have a direction. Excited to see the young guys. Uh, we just need to trade a few more guys. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it be great following that this year, because uh, I'm not going to believe it until they trade <laughs> one of the guys that wasn't part of the Drake LaRoche fiasco. Mm-hmm. All right, well, uh, intro to this week's podcast. It's opening day, so we are going to talk about baseball. Uh, this is also a weekly baseball podcast, so that's why we're going to talk about baseball. Uh, so, going to have some banter about opening day and the season. Um, it is the return of... Uh, our segments, uh, TWTW, which is Paul's uh, stat segment, an ode to uh, White Sox announcer Ken Harrelson. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that will be back. We're going to look at catch probability today. That's awesome. I'm a huge fan of that stat. Uh, and then it's also the return of Sounds of the Game, which I uh, put together every week to look at uh, baseball's uh, famous announcers and famous uh, moments, famous uh TV and radio calls. What do we have today? Uh, You'll have to wait and see. Mm. you have to wait and see. Got a big announcement with Sounds of the Game going forward. Uh, And then we get into our 2017 predictions. Usually that's uh, the spot where we would interview somebody, but um, for the opening day podcast, we will give our predictions, because I'm sure you aren't sick of hearing uh, other people give their predictions uh, for the season, so... Uh, Some of that is your standard stuff, like standings and playoffs and awards, but uh, we also get into some uh, fun over-unders, and uh, I think it'll be an interesting take on your traditional predictions. Yeah, so that's the podcast, but before we get into all that, have a Nelly update for you. Uh, We've re-upped with Nelly for another year. Yeah, he signed on for his second season, Um, and this is the start of our third season as a podcast. I feel like we should mention that. Mm Mm-hmm. Happy uh, second birthday. Now we're heading into our third year as a podcast. That's right. Uh, opening day 2015 was our... Uh, have you ever gone back and listened to some of our first episodes? Uh, unfortunately, I have. So uh, I might show Yeah, full transpa- where, where, where I'm at in life. <laughs> full transparency to uh, listeners real quick. For the first year of our podcast, I came in to recording without any notes. Um, and then the second year, I would have a little bit more detailed notes. But like this year, I feel like I'm hitting my stride. Got the the work computer in front of you. And got the laptop, yep. So the Nelly update this week is a pretty slow week, uh, but uh, Al Gore presented uh, footage from his follow-up movie to uh, Inconvenient Truth at Comic-Con last week. So the sequel is called An Inconvenient Sequel. It's about global warming. His uh, uh, song that he was introduced to, his walk-up song, you might say, was Hot in Here. mm by Nelly. So clearly a tie there between the hot and here and global warming. That got me thinking about uh, other Nelly walk-up songs for former vice presidents. Uh, I'm going to give the the name and then the, uh, the title of the Nelly song and then you have to make the connection. Okay. Yep. Go ahead. All right. I'll give you an easy one first. Gerald Ford, Ride With Me uh ford as in like the ford co- motor company that's correct no relation but it still works nonetheless uh <laughs> dick cheney heart of a champion and your tail feather uh he was shot while quail hunting
1: he shot someone Or yeah he shot somebody yeah
0: amazing story mm-hmm. uh why would heart of a champion be his other walk-up song uh are you referring to the fact that his heart isn't the best he had a heart transplant in 2012. I did not know that. Theodore Roosevelt Air Force Ones. Uh, first time Air Force One was ridden? I don't know. He was the first president to fly in plane. Nice. Uh, Mike Pence dilemma. Uh, whether to support uh, Donald Trump or not. Uh, I wasn't thinking that. Dilemma. Are you going like with the recent story yes. about his decision? Yeah, he's you know a a a woman of power wants to meet with him for a, for a lunch outing. The internal dilemma of whether he should he should do that without his wife or what's the deal he won't eat he, he won't, won't meet meet privately one on one with any woman. Won't go out to dinner w- or uh, a meal hmm. privately with a, a a woman not his wife and then he also won't go to a, a event that serves alcohol without his wife. Hmm. What your thoughts on the on the rule? Uh see when Billy Graham does it. I feel like there aren't too many people that poke fun at it. Um, but, yeah, when you're the vice president, it seems like from time to time you would need to meet one-on-one with a woman. My thoughts, you know, of course the media is taking it way out of context, but I also feel like it's easier for a man to make that, that rule than, like, a woman. If a woman to be, wanted to, to do that, she just wouldn't get very far. Impossible. yeah. All right, last one. George Clinton, not Bill Clinton, but George Clinton over and over. Who's George Clinton? Former vice president. I don't know who that is, uh, so I'm not sure. No guesses? Over and over. Over and over. Uh, He was like a vice presidential candidate that lost over and over again? Nope. I've got nothing. He was the vice president for Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, Mm. one of only two people to be, uh, two vice presidents to serve under two different uh, presidents. Yeah, that is. I had never heard of him before. Lost, Lost the history until now. So that was your Nelly update. Uh, Next up, uh, let's talk about uh, baseball quickly before we go to baseball on TV. Paul, last week we mentioned that uh, this is your first year back in fantasy baseball Mm -hmm. after about a five-year hiatus. uh, Our draft was last Sunday. Uh, How do you feel like you did, and and how are you feeling about uh, the season? Well, after experiencing much uh, ridicule during the draft from you, and I think just you, any others? A couple people tagged on. Uh, I feel great about my team. Um, I think I have the best catcher situation. I have Wilson Contreras and Russell Martin. And remind me again who your starting catcher is. Uh, Evan Gaddis and Brian McCann are my... Hmm. Um, pretty nice little combo there. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I feel... Uh, yeah, I feel good. I got Carlos Martinez for cheap. He's my ace. Uh, my lineup is a bit older. I have uh, Miguel Cabrera and Destin Pedroia. So if they have decent seasons, I think I've got a shot to be in the top half of the league. But if they're old and are on the decline, I might be in trouble. Uh, so you're pretty confident you're, you're going to do better than me? Mm, I wouldn't say that. I'm confident I'm going to do better than I've done in previous years. No White Sox players this time around. That's true. All we right, right. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll monitor that situation throughout the season. Another thing that I had uh, here, the uh, Donald Trump rejected uh, the opportunity to throw out the first pitch at the Nationals opening, opening day on Monday due to a scheduling conflict. Um, I feel like this was uh, a classic case of the media uh, not knowing any context and uh, just wanting clicks and views. Hmm. So the story you might have heard is that every president has you know done this tradition of throwing out the first pitch at a baseball game. And that's true. Uh, every president since William Taft in 1910, that's when it started. Uh, but every president just has done it at least once in the presidency. Not on opening day? Well, open I mean, opening day is included, but, like, if Trump does it next year, then he fits. Mm-hmm. Like, if he just does it once in his four years, or eight years, or two years, or whatever. But, but every president has thrown out an opening day first pitch at some point in their presidency? Uh, I think everyone but Jimmy Carter. I don't know. A little overblown, um here was uh, what Jimmy Fallon had to say on the Tonight Show.
1: -"Guys, here's what people are talking about. Baseball season is almost starting, you guys. I'm very excited about this." Uh, yeah, teams, teams. Uh, but listen to this. Uh, the White House says President Trump will not throw out the first pitch at the Washington Nationals game. Ooh. Apparently, Trump was afraid of hurting his tweeting arm. And anyway, that's a concern. That's a concern. Actually, it said Trump had to cancel because of a scheduling conflict. When asked if they could change the date of the game, the Nationals said, we already did, so he
0: wouldn't come. And you go, no, that's, that's rude. I tend to agree with you. Um, I'm curious. Uh, most presidents wouldn't have thrown out their first pitch at a Nationals game, though, right? I feel like the Nationals shouldn't have, like, the uh, facts. They, they had a team up until, like, you know, the 50s. Right. But is Trump a fan of a certain team, like the Mets or Yankees? Uh I th- I feel like he be he was at that Mets Cardinals game. Uh the NLCS game from like two thousand six, I think. And then uh he there's like pictures of him in Yankee stuff, so I, I don't know. I feel like he might so. he might be more likely to throw out a first pitch if he were a fan of the team. Like Barack and the White Sox. Maybe. I he's old. Right. I mean, he's like seventy, so I mean, dad is in his upper sixties and if he had to do it, uh, you know, I wouldn't have confidence that You know he could, you know, look like a. Is he the oldest president? Good baseball player? Uh, No, I don't know who is, but I know it's not him. Uh, The longest gap between uh, first pitches from an active president is right now. Hmm. So uh, Obama did it in 2010. Uh, He also did it in 2009 at the All-Star game at Bush uh, Stadium. In St. Louis, um, and he did opening day 2010 Nationals game. That's when he broke out the uh, White Sox hat mm-hmm. from his back pocket. So, and no one has, no active president has thrown out the opening or uh, any first pitch since 2010. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. The, I think the longest one before that was uh, World War II. Uh, no president threw out the first pitch during World War II. Uh, Bush threw out seven opening or first pitches at games. Opening day, World Series All-Star Games included, uh, and Clinton did five times. So Obama was uh, less in those two. Uh, do you think the decrease is just uh, like baseball's less popular or security reasons? Because it doesn't seem like they go to like the NBA Finals uh, or the NBA All-Star Game, the Super Bowl. Hmm. Uh, yeah, security would have to be it, I would think. Um, I am surprised this is the type of thing I – I figured heading into Trump's presidency that he would love to do something that had no strings attached and just put him in the limelight. So I'm, I'm a tad, uh, confused why he wouldn't do it. I'm pretty sure I read where, uh, DC voted, uh, against him like 90 to 10% in Mm. the election. So he would definitely get booed, I think. Right. Hmm. Anyway, uh, end of our political talk. Uh, I had one last note, and I actually wrote a, uh, a blog post about this today on opening day, so you can go find that on our Twitter website. Uh, I was just curious about the off-season length for each sport. Uh, at On uh, Saturday, I was at the, the gym here in town, and uh, someone commented to his friend. He saw on the TV that uh, baseball was starting up again. He's like, man, baseball's already back. It seems like it just got over. And then the other guy was like, oh, yeah, baseball's got by far the longest season which I feel like is a common sentiment. There's mm-hmm. way too many games. It's too long. Um, so I was just curious exactly how that played out in the, the four major sports in uh, America. Uh, I was surprised the actual length of this season in terms of days. Uh, baseball is third. Uh, so NFL, the NFL has by far the shortest season at 148 days. And this is all the most recent season. But um, NFL, 148 days. MLB... Season, uh, this past one, was 214 days, then the NHL at 228 days, and then the NBA, by far the longest, at 237 days. Because of that, the off-seasons for each sport are the inverse. So the NBA has the shortest off-season, and then uh, NHL, and then baseball, and then the the NFL has the longest off-season. And that's going from, like, last day of the championship, or first day of... Yeah, opening game through uh, game seven of of playoffs. Because the NBA playoffs, I believe, are the longest. Because each round is seven games. Yeah. I mean, but you think NFL, uh, in terms of game, is the shortest. But it's a week in between each with Mm -hmm. two weeks for the Super Bowl. So I I bet it would be the same amount in terms of days. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, So just interesting. Um, You know, obviously baseball has the highest percentage of days with games in the season right Um, but i was surprised to see the nba have such a long uh regular season Mm -hmm. yeah that's surprising to me too and that's the first of 180 blog posts this year right well uh 214 through the playoffs as well i guess i haven't decided yet we'll see a couple nuggets for me before we jump in to our uh, baseball on tv Ichiro wants to play until he's 50 he said earlier this week. I thought he wanted to play until he died. Uh, well, that, he, was, that was the he headline. Kinda, he kind of said both, but he's 43 now, so he would have to play another seven seasons. And uh, he he said, and I quote, "I'm not joking when I say it. He seems pretty serious about it." The last two guys to get close to 50, Pete. Any guesses? Julio Franco, and Jamie Moyer. They both were 49 when they retired. So um, odds aren't in Ichiro's favor. But who knows, he could be a useful bench player for a while. Sure. Yeah, he's been he's been decent for the Marlins the last couple of years. I think his defense will probably uh deteriorate pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, uh there's been a slew of interesting contract extensions this past week, or talk about contract extensions. Um, obviously you have Molinas, um, uh, but the two I wanted to talk about, uh Ranger second baseman, or Ordor he signed a 6-year $50 million deal or extension with the rangers but it included two stud horses which i thought was interesting apparently odor like raises horses in the off season and this was like a not something he asked for but the rangers threw in hmm. there were pictures on social media you can go look at uh so and pictures of the actual horses right given yeah. to him yep hmm. and then the other one uh Indians general manager Mike Chernow, his son, uh, Brody, spilled the beans on a possible contract extension with Francisco Lindor, the Indian shortstop. Uh, Brody was on uh, with the Indians during a spring training game, and he, he said that his dad was trying to get Lindor to play for seven more years. So it, of course, resulted uh, in a slew of articles speculating that... How old is he? That's uh, Seven comes to mind, but okay. I'm not positive about that. Now, it wasn't that big a news because there was already talks right. that they were trying to extend him. Right, but um, interesting nonetheless. Do you think they used him as uh, like a talking point in the media? Uh, what like, do you mean? Like you think the GM knew he was going to say that on the air? Uh, uh, I do not. It, it, was, it was a very pointed question. The Indians broadcaster asked them, "Like, hey, have you, you know, heard any of your dad's conversations, your business conversations, recently?" So I feel like typically you wouldn't ask a young kid that specific well, of a think question. I've ever heard of a uh, kid of anyone on the True. on the broadcast. True. Okay, well that does it for uh, our opening segments. Uh, before we get to out of the box, uh, we have a baseball on TV segment. Uh, baseball on TV is. Uh, where we look at a baseball-themed episode of a TV show. Uh, we've done about a dozen so far. You can uh, search that hashtag on Twitter and see uh, see the ones that we've done. Uh, last week was 30 Rock, and this week Paul has uh, a new one for us, and I think uh, maybe for all of April we'll focus on this show. Yep, we are looking at Seinfeld, one of the most popular TV shows of all time. Never heard of it. Uh, we're specifically looking at episode 21 of season 5. Today, which is called The Opposite. Um, this is the episode where George gets hired by the Yankees. But the the plot, real quickly, uh, is that you know the episode begins with George hitting his low point. He's unemployed, uh, living at home with his parents, who he hates. And uh, he decides that his life thus far has gone the exact opposite of how he wanted it to go. So that in response, he decided to do the opposite of whatever he would have done in the past. Mm -hmm. So it starts with him ordering a chicken salad sandwich on rye instead of a tuna salad on wheat. And eventually it leads to him uh, getting an interview with the Yankees and uh, uh, kind of yelling at George Steinbrenner. And Steinbrenner likes that, approves of it, and I believe we have the audio of that.
1: Uh, Mr. Steinbrenner, sir. There's someone here I'd like you to meet. This is Mr. Costanza. He's one of the applicants. Nice to meet you. Well, I wish I could say the same, but I must say, with all due respect, (laughs) I find it very hard to see the logic behind some of the moves you have made with this fine organization. In the past 20 years, you have caused myself and the city of New York a good deal of distress as we have watched you take our beloved Yankees and reduce them to a laughing stock, all for the glorification of your massive ego. Hire this man.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, things go well for George, but uh, Elaine doesn't fare so well uh, in this episode. Uh, she loses her job, destroys the company that she works at, uh, Pendant Publishing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we realized that uh, Jerry, or Jerry realizes that um, he's even Stevens, as Kramer calls it. He he uh, will lose something and then immediately get that replaced. So uh, loses a uh, comedy gig, gets one right after that. Elaine uh, throws 20 bucks of his out the window. He finds 20 bucks in his coat pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, in and his he, episode. Has, he has one friend, George, whose who's luck turns around, and another friend, Elaine, whose mm-hmm. who's luck dives. Yep, and he, he cautions George that things won't always be this way. Uh, but we'll end uh, this, uh, this week's segment with uh, uh, George talking.
1: Excuse me. Uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me.
1: <laughs> my name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. <laughs> I'm Victoria.
0: Hi. For Out of the Box this week, I read an article from Time Magazine by Eric Spitznagel. Baseball powerhouse, that Time Magazine. Yes, the uh, headline. Here's how much more expensive being a Cubs fan is in 2017. Maybe you can see where this is heading. Um, But the article talks about... Talks about how season ticket prices for the Cubs have skyrocketed this year, along with the resale value of Cubs tickets. Pete, have you run into this thus far? I have not bought any tickets, so no, I have not. Uh, the article uses TickPix, which is a resale site, not one that I had heard of. Must be just below what was that? StubHub and you SeatGeek. TickPix? Yeah. Sounds close to something else. Uh, um, but it ranks all 30 teams. This company tick picks in, in terms of, uh, how much an average ticket is on the resale market, uh, as 2017 starts. Any guesses? Well, that's, that's a little bogus because, uh, people for like, uh, is it just going for like opening day or is it like the whole season? Cause the whole season, a season ticket holder, uh, say they have a uh, July 15th or that's also break, Uh, July 30th, they have a, uh, a cubs game uh they're not going to put it at a price that's reasonable now mm. you know what i'm saying like but no no team would right i assume I they can't, have, i can't i don't think you can read too much into the market right now is what i'm saying i assume they have very complex algorithms that <laughs> help them determine <laughs> these numbers pick. um you, you understand what i'm saying i do i do yeah so probably not the most accurate but the five most expensive and least expensive any guesses on the most expensive Oh, the Cubs. Right. Cubs are number one. So how dare the Cubs charge families so much money. $150 for the average ticket on the resale wow. market. Wow, amazing. They do have the most expensive uh, face value as well. Yeah, that's, F- that's, a, that's a, m- a more accurate way to... $58 okay. for your average uh, ticket on just you know face value. I think that gets bumped up because they have this new like home plate area. Right. And so those are going to be a lot more, but what i pay for a ticket probably won't go up all that much. Mhm. Um number 2 is the Yankees, which was $40 less. So around $110, then you have the Red Sox, the Braves, which is somewhat surprising, i guess opening a new stadium, and then the Reds. Mm-hmm. Which was the most surprising. And again with with yeah, so this is bogus. The the you said the Reds are fifth? Fifth, correct. This is insane. The Reds. Mhm. They will be in the bottom 10 in in attendance this year. I would bottom five, maybe. The five least expensive, uh the White Sox were the lowest. Then you have the Angels, Royals, Dodgers, and Blue Jays. I looked for opening day specifically. Uh, the White Sox open tomorrow. The Cubs open on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, White Sox are probably really cheap, right? Yep. Yeah, the cheapest tickets for the White Sox on StubHub were $14. Hmm. Uh, the cheapest tickets for the Cubs game a week from Monday. Are ninety four dollars, and that's for standing room only. Hmm. I think the the first the Cubs being first and the White Sox last makes sense, but um, you question some of those other. I games? do, I do question. This. I, I mean, it's all distorted too. Like average price, like the Dodgers hold over fifty thousand, so that's mm-hmm. going to be way different. Uh, right. The average price for uh, cup season ticket holders went up nineteen percent this year. Yeah, that, that was a news story. It's, um, it's the time to do it though, and the. The MLB average for a face value ticket is thirty-one dollars. So just another price point there. Uh, I did pull, uh, saw that our community, and I asked, at which point does going to a baseball game become unreasonable? Did you weigh in on the matter? I did. What were the options again? Fifteen dollars, one hundred dollars, one hundred and fifty, or two hundred. Now you only included ticket price. Correct. I think other things are included in that, and there's you're also forgetting about the context of it. You know, you'd pay mm-hmm. more to go to a game that that mattered later in the season. It was a Twitter poll. Couldn't exactly include those things. Uh, I'm guessing you said 150. Oh no, hundred. Hundred. So if it's a hundred or more, that makes you seriously. Like if it's just a normal regular season game. Uh, I would. I will probably I'll end up going to the games I want to go to, but I'll. To keep it under a hundred is usually kind of the benchmark. Hmm. Yeah, I also said 100. I mean, but I paid like over 200 to go to the Cubs Dodgers NLCS game last year. Sure, sure. Yeah. I was surprised um 57% of our respondents said $100. Uh 19% said 150 and then 24% said $50. Interesting. Yes, very very, very interesting. I thought it was interesting at least. Uh is that all you got? That's all I got. All right. Uh my article this week comes from the New York Times on April 15th, 1942. Uh, So if you've listened to the podcast long enough, you know that I'm uh, a bit of a history guy. I enjoy learning about history, especially World War II uh, type stuff. So I was curious. uh, Pearl Harbor happened uh, December of 1941, and then um, baseball didn't take any seasons off after that. Even though, uh, you know, opening day 1942, we would have been right in the middle of, of... uh war with uh Japan and Germany and, and Italy uh baseball still went on and uh FDR at the time encouraged baseball to go on and so uh, I wanted to find uh articles uh written on opening day or uh the day after opening day in 1942 just to to get a sense for how fans were reacting and how the media was covering it so uh articles were a little different back then they were very like short bulleted things Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've got three quick little things here that were all in the New York Times on uh, April 15th, 1942. And you'll note that opening day was uh, about two weeks later than it is in 2017. Uh, And that's because there's only 16 teams at the time, eight American League and eight National League. Uh, But the first article uh, talks about the fans' response to a a fan at the Dodgers-Giants game that would not give back the foul ball that he caught. The article uh, was written by Roscoe McGowan uh, and it it states when the Dodgers and Giants are involved strange happenings are inevitable but yesterday's wartime opening of the National League season at the polo grounds produced a phenomenon. One lone spectator was booed vociferously (laughs) for not throwing a ball back on the field and more than a dozen others were applauded even more loudly for returning foul balls that landed among the spectators. Every baseball follower knows that the time-honored custom is for any fan who is lucky enough to collar a stray baseball is to keep it. The explanation of yesterday's incidents at the Polo Grounds is simple and may supply a commentary on the patriotic responsiveness of the American sports-loving public. Before the game, President Horace Stoneham of the Giants caused it to be announced over the loudspeaker that fans were requested to return all balls hit into the stands and that these baseballs would be placed in a receptacle on the field and forwarded to Army and Navy camps. So uh, balls hit in the crowd were given to Army and Navy soldiers. To be reused for another purpose or just for... Oh, I think just as kind of a pick-me-up. So just like a nice gesture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, initially I thought like wartime rations, that uh, they'd be reused, but it doesn't sound like that's the case. Uh, the next article... Uh, comes from George Gallup, uh, who is famous for Gallup polls. Uh, and this is a, a, a very interesting poll, perhaps slightly more interesting than uh, Paul's uh, price point experiment. Uh, the article reads, As America's most popular sport got underway in baseball parks all over the country today, the American public was strongly united in its desire to keep professional sports going for the duration of the war. Suggestions that professional sports be discontinued have met with the opposition of President Roosevelt. To determine how the people themselves feel about it, the American Institute of Public Opinion took the issue to the country in a poll as follows. Quote, Do you think that professional sports should be continued during the war, or should they be stopped until after the war? The poll results, uh, 66% said that sports should continue, 24% said they should stop, and 10% were undecided. Article goes on, while the question dealt with all professional sports, more than 20 million fans who crowd the baseball parks each year have been concerned primarily with the status of their favorite sport as the season's opening approached and draft-depleted teams moved from spring training toward their opening games. Institute studies in previous years have shown that baseball is the game which the, the nation's sport followers prefer above all others to watch. Football runs second, and basketball third. Hmm, that is interesting. It's amazing like not to go political again but with how uh how much wars have become like normal we wouldn't even consider canceling the baseball season if we were, we were to go to a war like <laughs> well with... world war world war ii was a much different thing but we, the, we the, were attacked the question wasn't i guess that's what people think At the time. i think when we entered world war ii everyone knew it was like this is a life-changing thing sure whereas other I'm wars, actually, wars in our lifetime have not been that, even close to that. That was a bit high. I Like two-thirds of people being favorable towards sports is surprising to me. Yeah, and I wonder if Roosevelt, if he just gauged that, or if it was reverse, he'd still stick to, stick to sports, hmm. as the Twitter people like to say. All right, uh, the last one I have, uh, it's an attendance update on opening day. A total of 190,775 persons paid their way to hail... The opening of the Major League Baseball season yesterday. The National League clashes brought out 100,728 spectators and the American League 90,047. The Polo Grounds, scene of the Giant Dodger meeting, drew 42,653, and that was the top figure. At Detroit, the second largest turnout was recorded with 39,267 present for the Indian Tiger engagement. Last year, 197,000 fans attended seven games on opening day. So that was uh, about 8,000 more than uh, 1942. Uh, Cubs, White Sox related. They have a list of the attendance figures. Uh, the Cubs played in St. Louis like uh, they do this year. Uh, what do you think the attendance was for that game? Hmm, I'll say 30,000. 13,821. Mm. And then uh, in the American League, uh, St. Louis also played Chicago. That must have been... Were there two St. Louis teams at the time? Yeah, the Browns and the Cardinals. Yeah. Well, the other St. Louis team played uh, the White Sox in Chicago. Yep. Uh will say twenty-five. Nine thousand eight hundred seventy-nine. Mm, not good. No. At Fenway, uh, the Phillies, or whatever the Philadelphia team was called at the time, um the played, A's. played in Boston. Nine thousand nine hundred and one. An attendance crisis. Yeah, maybe the uh, weather was poor. All right. Well, uh, that's uh, that's all I got. I will link to uh, a New York Times subscription if you'd like to read those articles, because that's what I had to do. I think that's it for Out of the Box. Uh, next up, we have TWTW, and that means the return of our pal, Hawk Harrelson.
1: When you can put some of those categories, you know, you got your OBPS and all that and the VORPs. When they put in TWTW, and then interface those numbers with TWTW under that category, then you might have something cooking. Well well, well, TW is. Yeah, what is that? That's the will to win.
0: All right, as I mentioned in our intro, uh, I want to take a look at catch probability this week. Uh, Peter discussed this in one of our last episodes. can't remember if it was uh, our very last or a couple ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is an MLB statistic that they're rolling out this year using StatCast data. And it's a way to track uh, both outfielder's path and speed to fly balls. Um, and so it gives us a better idea of essentially how good an outfielder is at, at running down a fly ball. And the the way it's given to us is in, uh, in terms of a percentage. So, for example, if Billy Hamilton makes a spectacular diving play you know, on the dead run, and uh, we get a catch probability of 3%, That means that 97% of the time outfielders do not make that play, and only 3% of the time they do. So we can determine that it was obviously an outstanding play. Um, So using catch probability, MLB.com's Mike Petriello, who we've also mentioned on the podcast a few times, he came up with the idea to look at uh, the 2016 season and assign a number to each catch to determine cumulatively who the best outfielders in baseball would be so you know for example in that the hamilton catch i just referenced if he had a catch probability of three percent he would be given a point nine seven you know with petriello's uh, research project here that would be the the value assigned to that catch and so he looked over the whole season and assigned values to every every single catch and so i have here the the top numbers for left field center field and right field um, using using that data, so in left field, I was actually pretty surprised. Adam Duval was the leader at plus twelve. Kristen Yelich and Brett Gardner are also there. Um, in center Adam, field, you sure Adam Duval is considered the worst left fielder in baseball? I know that's why I was shocked, and that's petriella writes about how surprised he was. And it's actually helpful because the knock <sighs> on Statcast thus far has sort of been like it doesn't really tell us anything we don't know already. And well, in this case, I mean, if you just watch him play, he's terrible. So maybe at some point the stat is flawed. Who are the other guys on the list? Uh, uh, in left field, Christian Yelich, Brett Gardner, Angel Pagan, and Michael Conforto. Yeah, I would, I would qu- just question the overall. Uh, you got to dig into the data. Well, I mean, you're you're the, sa- you're sounding like Sh- Hawk. Schwarber is going to be top on this year's list. Then um, in center field, you have Billy Hamilton at plus twenty. And then uh, Ender Enciarte for the Braves and Kevin Kiermeyer. That makes more sense. Uh, Kevin Plar also made that list at plus 10. And then in right field, uh, Mookie Betts and Adam Eaton top the list at plus 22 and plus 21. And then Jason Hayward is third at plus 17. Yeah, the left field, just that one sounds mm-hmm. uh, messed up. Now, when you say plus whatever, what, 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 what does that number mean again? It's Petriello assigning a value to each catch. And so if your catch probability for a certain play was 3%, you know, only 3% of the time that ball is caught, he would assign a value of 0.97 to that catch. And Mm. he did that for for every play throughout the season. Hmm. So what would be the negative? If you catch a routine fly ball and 99% of the time it's caught, then you would get a 0.01 for that. I wonder if that's the best. So there's no negatives. Correct. I wonder if that's the best way to to determine that then. Yeah, I guess it could be saying Duval just gets a ton of opportunity. Well, and I mean he could drop a bunch of balls and it wouldn't right. be, be against, counted against him. It probably means your pitcher's giving up a lot of fly balls too, like yeah. give a lot of putouts. That's a good point. I went back and looked at the Gold Glove winners to see if any were left out, and um, Sterling Marte of the Pirates was the only one. Yeah, I mean the more I think about it, it's just quantity, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're an outfielder that plays a lot and gets a lot of fly balls you're going to have a a higher score because of that. Yeah, and Duvall, his plus 12 number wouldn't have made the the top one in center field or right field. Hamilton's at plus 20 and Betts is at plus 22. I wonder if putouts are higher for center field and right field. I mean, ballpark matters too. Yeah, I guess Yeah, there would be more right-handers, so you would think that – I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, traditionally, like in Little League, you put the worst fielder in right field because Mm -hmm. no one's going to go the opposite field. The Cubs – uh when they played the Pirates in the that playoff game, was that two years ago mm-hmm. they moved Bryant to right, but uh, that was that uh, was just because or they moved
1: Bryant to left, left and that was just because to right there's
0: more then. ground in left field yeah, mostella hmm. played third all right well, that was interesting. Glad to have that stat segment back uh next up we have uh sounds of the game. Mm-hmm. Alright, it's time for Sounds of the Game. Uh, and as I thought about uh, another year of Sounds of the Game, I, I uh, couldn't help but think of Vince Scully no longer being uh the announcer for the Dodgers. Last year was his sixty seventh and final season broadcasting Dodger uh baseball games. And uh so I was thinking of ways to honor him. We I mean we've talked about him probably a dozen times mm-hmm. in this segment and other segments on the podcast. And I found myself just really missing or expecting to miss him throughout the season, just having his presence in the game. Uh, There was an article written this week where they interviewed him and uh, they asked him if he was going to follow and he opening day and he's like, Oh, you know, I might follow the score, but I've got more important things to do, or I've got errands to run. So I probably won't, won't Hmm. see it. And so he's clearly moved on, but uh, I think a lot of baseball fans haven't, especially Dodger fans. So to honor him, I, We'd like to play a, a Vince Scully clip to start each segment. And so, uh, like Hawk starts TWTW uh, from now on, uh, a Vince Scully call will start. I like it. The, sounds, same, sounds of the, game. the same one, or are you going to mix it up? I think I, I'm going to mix it up. All right, I've got a quick uh, Sounds of the Game this week. Uh, MLB The Show, it's a baseball video game, uh, came out for the 2017 season. And the intro to that game is getting a lot of press because it's, it's really well done. So uh, we're going to play that. It's a couple minutes long, and it includes just about every important baseball play in, in history. Uh, I think you'll hear Scully twice. That's That was my count. Uh, listeners, you can uh, listen and try to correct me. Uh, it's also a little foreshadowing to uh, Paul and I's season-long contest that we'll talk about at the end of the podcast with, uh, with video games. So here is the intro to MLB The Show 2017. It's
1: time. Williams, guy for a war, I would see I'm you. Really Sure. So. So.
0: Okay, next up on the podcast, uh, we're talking 2017 predictions. So uh, we'll do the traditional stuff first, Cy Young, MVP, Rookie of the Year. uh, And then we'll do uh, playoff predictions. Uh, And then we have uh, five over-unders for our respective leagues. And then we'll talk about a couple big things, um, bigger picture things to watch for at the end of the year. So first, let's get the awards out of the way. First, uh, Paul, you had American League, and I had National League. Uh, who is your Cy Young winner? Um, well, you know, I like to go all in on one team. Famously, two years ago, I went all in on the Mariners and picked King Felix. Is that famous? And Robinson Cano, famous on our podcast. Infamous, infamous, you might say. Um, uh, so this year, I am going all in on the Red Sox. My Cy Young is Chris Sale. Runners up: Corey Kluber and Aaron Sanchez. Uh, I feel like the AL doesn't have a dominant pitcher like Kershaw, so it's a more uh, wide-open race. And I think Sale with uh, the Red Sox lineup will get to, get a ton of wins. And uh, I think being in the limelight and being in a on a competitive team will bring out the best in him. Mm-hmm. It's a good pick. Yeah, I went with Kershaw. He finished uh, fifth in voting last year, hmm. uh, and he only threw 149 innings. He had a .72 WHIP uh in those 149 innings and struck out 172 and just walked 11. so he was ridiculously good he's only 29 he's finished in the top five in sighting voting the last six seasons so uh i'd be an idiot if i didn't pick him and uh it's pretty clear that him and trout are just the best of our generation and we should uh enjoy watching them play because they don't come around uh players like this don't come around that often uh, some other uh, notable people that I had, runners-up, uh, Noah Syndergaard last year threw 183 innings and struck out 218 and then added all the muscle in the offseason, so uh, I think he'll be good to go 200-plus innings and strike out a bunch of people, uh, so he'd be a good pick. Uh, Steven Strasburg, I think, is kind of a edgier pick. Uh, he only threw 150 innings last year. His whip was, was good. It was 1.10. Uh, his FIP was two point nine two with an ERA of three six, and so he, he was just unlucky, mm-hmm. um, or he had a bit, you know poor defense behind him. But I think the ERA will come down. Question with him though will be: Can he stay healthy? Exactly, but I think I mean, he's healthy to start the season. Right, uh, he's good to go. He struck out one hundred and eighty three in one hundred and forty seven innings last year. People forget he started the year thirteen and zero, and was just dominant mm-hmm. uh, and before he got. Yeah, I forgot uh, that kind of fell off the cliff and before uh he had an injury uh so he's kind of a dark horse pick other dark horse candidates i've got three for you uh shelby miller is only 26 and his velocity is back matt morris uh is only 27 uh he could be you know a guy that puts it all together for the giants and then uh matt harvey uh he is just 28 years old and i think he could put it together with the mets his velocity's back and uh i think just in terms of um his persona if he pitches well he'll get more attention and credit than he deserves just like when he pitches poorly he gets more attention hmm no no cubs guys yeah i mean i think arieta will be okay uh but you know he's 30 now and i'm not sure he'll get any better uh than he was a couple years ago uh and then Hendricks, i think will regress a little bit and uh uh Lester, I think, will be decent, but not Cy Young caliber. Hmm. My dark horse on the Cubs is Mike Montgomery. For Cy Young? No, no, no. I just mean... Yeah, it. I know. You've mentioned him like the last five podcasts. Mark it down. He, is he starting the year in the rotation? I forget. He's not, but he will soon yes, be. He's the sixth starter. He's not going to finish ahead. You think he's going to have a better season than Lester? Uh, I, I said that a couple Yes, weeks. you said that last week. Yeah. It's absurd. Going out on the limb. MVP, uh, who you got? I like Mookie Betts. Uh, no Trout. Yeah, my guesses are like what who will actually win the award, not what I would vote. So I would vote for Trout based on his hypothetical season that's coming up. But, yeah, he. I mean, Trout's never finished below second. I don't know if you read Michael Bauman's piece this past I did, week. I yeah. It was really, really good. But th- that's just an amazing stat. So I think you'd be dumb not to guess Trout. I think Betts will have a slightly... Worse season than Trout, but because um they're going to be the best team in the American League, uh, I think voters will like Betts more than Trout. Now, that happened, that exact scenario happened this past year. Trout was quite a bit better than Betts. I think Betts will be slightly worse than Trout this year. Hmm. Uh, I mean, Trout won it this past year, right? right yeah. My runners up, obviously Trout and then uh, Carlos Correa. And I think those three, barring any injuries, will be competing for MVPs for like the next five years. I see uh, Lindor sneaking in to that conversation, too. Yeah, maybe. Uh, all right, my MVP. This is a, a dark horse. Trey Turner. Mm. In 73 games last year, so under half of a season. Do you know how many home runs he had? I don't. He had 13. So he times that by two, around 25, 30 homers. How many stolen bases do you think he had in half a mm, season? 30. Uh, 33. So you're looking at uh, 25 to 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases. He had eight triples in half a season, so 16 triples. Maybe a few of those get out, and he's got even more home runs. He had a three seventy on on-base percentage and a five sixty seven slugging, and it was all his rookie season. Yeah, he's really good. So I I don't think he's getting talked about enough. Uh, he is moving to shortstop this year. He was played center field last year. Uh, so he's my, my bet for MVP. Uh, my runner's up. Or the guys you'd think of, uh Chris Bryant, I think he's by far the best cub and this sh- year he's gonna hit behind Schwarber and in front of Rizzo. Uh Bryce Harper, uh in spring training, uh had eight home runs in twenty four games and almost an, an eight hundred slugging percentage. So I think we'll have a bounce back year and be really, really good. And uh him and Trey Turner together will be uh just an awesome tandem for the the Nationals. And then lastly, uh, Corey Seager, uh, last year had 26 home runs and 40 doubles. So I could easily see him hitting 30, 35 home runs. Uh, did you see the article this past week about what he eats? Yeah. I, now I was confused. Does he currently eat that? Or was the article talking yeah. about like what he used to? Yeah, after practice uh, at lunch, when this article is written, he had mini chicken bacon ranch pizza and clam chowder. And then he drank two Mountain Dews to wash that down. And then he also said that he chews a lot of gum during the games and exclusively Big League Chew uh, original. He tried uh, the grape flavor once in high school and hit four grounders to second, uh, the second baseman. And He's hmm. never going to do that again, the, w- the week before that, it came out that Mankata uh, fr- will frequently, or used to frequently, eat 10 twinkies in a sitting and one time ate like 85 in a week jeez you know ridiculous uh so i i mean honestly if he eats like this that makes me less confident in his ability to keep up the performance that he had last year like can you imagine eating that every day and trying to live a productive life i think like your body just gets used to it though lamar odom two mountain dews two mountain dews for lunch That's so much sugar yeah jimmy butler i think is like addicted to gummy bears um, is he? Mm-hmm. I know it wasn't Rose Skittles. Mm-hmm. Was Lamar Lamar Odom what, with like down a whole he tub was, of He was addicted to lots of things. Yeah, that's true. Uh my dark horse, uh I've got two of them, uh Andrew McCutchen. Again, this is, you know, a long shot, but in September last year, uh, he had a 373 on base and a 513 slugging. Moved to right field uh for this upcoming year. Uh, So I think he'll be better there, have more time to uh, focus on hitting, and he's part of a really good lineup in Pittsburgh. And then my other dark horse is A.J. Pollock. He was gone all of last year because he hurt his uh, shoulder before the season. But I think he's got potential to hit 25 homers, have 40 steals, and he's 29, which is older than I was expecting. Uh, So it's kind of right at the end of his prime. Mm -hmm. I like those. Uh, For rookie of the year? I have Andrew Benintendi. Like I said, all in on the Red Sox. He's kind of a slam dunk, though, in the American League. Yes, I agree. Runners up, distant runners up, I will say, are Ulyeski Gurriel, first baseman slash third baseman for the Astros. He's a Cuban import, and I think he's 34. No, he's not going to play any third, right? Right, but he can. Bregman. He played third uh, in Cuba. And then uh, another Cuban import, Yohan Mancada for the White Sox. Hmm. Uh, ben Antony, what's project his year? What's What are his numbers? Is he a power guy? Well, he came up on the Red Sox last year, and uh, on-base percentage was 370 um, OPS of over 800. In my mind, he has the like the plate discipline of Chris Bryant. like He won't swing at bad pitches, uh, which means he'll get on base a lot, and the, the bat skills of like a Tony Gwynn. So maybe like 15 to 20 homers, but just like a on-base machine. Yeah, that Red Sox lineup is uh, is amazing. They were tossing off the idea of batting him third, which in a lineup with all those guys is pretty impressive. That whole outfield with Bradley Betts and Ben is pretty solid. Until we trade we as and the White Sox, trade them. Jose Quintana for one of them. Ben maybe. Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I, don't know. I can dream. Well, stop dreaming. They're not <laughs> going to trade for two of the White Sox starters. Let's Maybe. Sail. No. If if not, pri- if price goes down, they have. To. If no, they're going all in this year, then I they'll. will give you a thousand dollars if they trade for Quintana. Hmm. Deal. 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 All right. Uh, my rookie of the year is Dansby Swanson. Uh, He had uh, a good season last year. Pretty surprising, actually. He wasn't all that good in the minors. And uh, Braves brought him up real fast and uh, had a a decent on-base, 361. He had 129 at-bats, and um, if you get to 130, that disqualifies you from rookie of the year. So I think the Braves uh, knew that. So they uh, sapped him one short. So he'll have a decent season, play good defense. The Braves might be... Okay, so he'll get a lot of um, attention. My uh, runners-up, Josh Bell with the Pirates, first baseman. He also was very close to to that 130 at-bat mark. He had 128 at-bats and a 368 on base for the Pirates last year. And he's part of a great lineup with uh, McCutcheon and Marte and Polanco. Just a real solid lineup, so he'll get lots of runs and RBIs. Uh, Another Pirates, Tyler Glasnow. In 116 innings in the minors last year, he struck out 144. So just dynamite stuff. And he is the fifth starter out of spring training. A bit of a surprise there. Two other guys you should watch. Albert Almora. I know he's not starting on opening day. Uh, Hayward's starting in center. But I think Almora will eventually uh, get that job and get most of the starts in center. This spring, he really came on. uh, He had a 636 slugging. That's four home runs, seven doubles, and one triple, and 66 at-bats. And he was he was Theo's first draft pick, right? That's right, yep. Yep, I th- top 10, maybe sixth overall. Uh, I believe they could have drafted Corey Seager, though. Hmm. I think that's how it played out. Uh, his big deal, though, is he doesn't walk, and he strikes out a lot. So in, that, in those uh, 66 at-bats, only one walk and 15 strikeouts. Last one, Manuel Margot. Or Margot, I don't know if the T is silence. He's with the Padres. He had forty steals in the minors the last three years. Has a little bit of power. And uh just with the stolen base numbers. I mean if if it's a crap field, uh, you know, people could point to his forty steals and, and give him the award. So uh the Mike Crusoe effect. Yeah, and, and uh he could be a good fantasy guy for you if you're in fantasy. Well that does it for our awards. Do you want to do playoffs first or do our over unders? Uh let's do playoffs. Um in the American League, I like the Astros, Indians and Red Sox as division winners and then the Rangers and the Blue Jays as wild cards. I feel like in both leagues the division winners uh pretty high certainty. Yeah. Uh and National League I had the Nationals, Cubs and Dodgers. I feel like that's standard. Maybe the Mets and Nationals flip for some people. Yeah. Some some people are like, surprisingly high on the Giants, but Mhm. My wild card winners are the Mets and Pirates. Um, Pirates, you're high on the Pirates. I am. Yeah, I think they'll have a a good season. Uh, my bold prediction is that the Diamondbacks will have a better record than the Giants. So, like close to the wild card. Yeah, I think they'll they'll compete. Then in the actual playoffs, I like yeah. the Blue Jays over the Rangers in the wild card game, Astros over the Rangers, and the Red Sox over the Indians. So the Astros will have the best record.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: and then. Uh, in the ALCS, I like the Red Sox over the Astros to go to the World Series. I think we have a, uh, a rematch of our prediction last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the Cubs beating the Pirates, who won the wild card game, uh, which would be a big deal for the Pirates because they always lose right. in that game. So Cubs beat the Pirates, and, and then the Joe Sheehan calls it the Clint Hurdle Invitational, <laughs> the wild card game. Nice. And then the Dodgers over the Nationals. Uh, that would be a great series. Could be a rematch of last year's uh, really great five-game series. But if the Nationals lose uh, in the division series, that would be the fourth straight division series loss, hmm. I think, in the last six years. Uh, they've made it four times. And they haven't made the NLCS, that franchise, uh, so the Nationals and the Expos. They haven't made it since 1981. Wow. And then I have the Cubs beating the Dodgers, rematch of last year's NLCS, giving us a Cubs-Red Sox World Series Uh, Are we predicting a uh, Cubs or Red Sox win? I'll go Red Sox. I'm going Cubs. Okay. Last year we agreed I think the Cubs would win, right? We did, yeah. That would be be a great series. I feel like that's probably what baseball is hoping for with ratings. We got so close to it last year. Uh, Well, that was fun. Um, Let's do some fun over-unders. We don't have too much time here, Paul, so uh, why don't we uh, just go back and forth real quick? Sure. Uh, over or under 30 home runs for Gary Sanchez. He had 20 in 200 at-bats last year, but never had more than 18 in a minor league season. Definitely taking the under. Uh, I will also take the under. All right, uh, my first one, uh, Reds starting pitchers. The the first five starters of the season. So I think that's slated to be Scott Feldman, Brandon Finnegan, uh, Bronson Arroyo, uh, and then two rookies, Amir Garrett, and a, a rookie named... Rookie Davis, (laughs) do you think those five guys uh, combine for more or less than 23.5 wins on the season? Um, I'll say more. I'm taking the under. Next one, four NL batters had an on-base percentage over 400 last year. Uh, Joey Votto, DJ LeMahieu, Goldschmidt, and Freddie Freeman. Uh, And there were four again in 2015, uh, 4.5 for 2017 over-under. I will say under. I'm taking the over. Okay. Uh, over or under two and a half months for the White Sox and Jose Quintana this year? I'm taking the over. I don't think they trade him. You're buying in the Drake Roach? I mean, they haven't traded anyone that wasn't a part of that. I will say under. I think they'll trade him in uh, in late June. To who? The Red Sox for Andrew Benintendi. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, I think they will trade him to the Red Sox, though. You you really think that? I do. That's insane. Um, I, I'd say he goes to the Astros. Okay. Uh, more sure bets. Benintendi to win the Rookie of the Year or the Indians to win the AL Central? I think both will happen. So I don't know how to answer that question. Which one either. is more sure? Well, there's no way to Which one is less, that. less risky? Uh, I mean, probably Benintendi. There you go. Oh. Well, have to do a confidence meter at the end of the the season one of your polls on twitter all right uh the cubs uh four batters with uh 25 homers over under four uh i will say over i'm also taking the over Schwarber, bryant rizzo russell and contreras i think we'll all get hit 25 or more uh for all of major league baseball uh 34.5 hitters with 30 home runs or more There were 11 in 2014, 20 in 2015, and then that skyrocketed to 32 last year. Over. I think we'll keep seeing more homers. I'm also taking the over. Better OPS in 2017. Jorge Soler, who had an OPS of 769 last year, or Byron Buxton, who had an OPS of 714 last year? Uh, I like Buxton. Okay. Dark Horse, American League MVP. Wow. That would be something. Over or under eighty-one wins for the Yankees. They have a twenty-year streak of being five hundred I mean, or better. We did, we did this last week. You're taking the over. Yeah, I will take. I mean, the, the over-under mark was like eighty-two point five. I will take the under. All right, my last one. Each of the last nine baseball seasons have had the most strikeouts in history. So uh, each season has more than the previous season, which breaks the record. And last year was no different. Eight point zero three strikeouts. Uh, per team per game so 16.06 per game total uh, over under 8.10 per team in 2017 Hmm. i will take the over i think we're going to see a a little bit of a reverse i'm taking the under Hmm. i think uh the low strike will get called less we'll see more walks and less strikeouts is that an official rule change or No, the, yeah, the players wouldn't go along with it, but spring training stats showed uh that their low pitch was called less. So like option. the umpires are kind of going behind the players back and calling it uh or Manfred's kind of subtly putting pressure on the umps to not to not do that. Hmm. All right. Uh lastly, uh a big picture item that you're looking forward to this sh- uh following this year, Paul? Uh bullpen usage? I think with the American League playoffs last year you had um, you know, Buck Showalter not using Zach Britton and causing a huge stir. And then you had Terry Francona, Terry Francona using Andrew Miller and Cody Allen to pitch what seemed like half of the Indians' innings. And I think MLB is a copycat league, and so we'll see um, teams try to replicate that. And what I'm really interested in is how that will kind of inform or transform the way teams construct their rosters. So like with the White Sox, they have five or six prospects, uh, pitching prospects, and as they come up, will they be more willing to stick them in in the bullpen knowing that having a, a really, really good bullpen is worthwhile and that you can use guys for more than an inning or two at a time? Uh, my big picture thing is showing emotion, having fun playing baseball. That was a big deal during the World Baseball Classic, and I feel like we might be on the precipice of uh, that being – just accept it in baseball. Hmm. Now it won't be by everyone. Uh, John Smoltz, uh, Ian Kinsler, those types, but I, yeah, but I think, uh, there's just a generation of fans that want to see that, they love baseball and would love it. You know, if it was emotionless, but I think, um, people like Javi Baez for a reason people like, uh, are drawn to like Bryce Harper for a reason. Mm-hmm. Even Mike Trout. I mean, he has fun playing baseball. He doesn't, He's not a dynamic player or personality, but I think people enjoy him because he's amazing, but also that he's fun and mm-hmm. uh, has fun with kids, uh, that sort of thing. So I think uh, we'll see that continue this year. Manfred's all about that. He did a and a this past week uh, that I can link to in the, the podcast page. But um, And our, our official foot-in-the-box stance is pro-emotion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't see any reason not to be. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's our 2017 predictions. I have some uh, quick uh, foot-in-the-box podcast over-unders for you, Paul. Go for it. So I've committed to writing a blog post every day of the 2017 season uh, over under May 15th. Over. I think, I'll, I think I'll do it. I believe in you. So you think uh, I'll do it every day this year? Yeah. That'd be impressive. Uh, I'm going to take the slight over. I think I'll burn out, though. All right, uh our longest podcast last year was over two hours. So two hour longest podcast over under this, this uh, year. under what podcast was that? Was that the Cubs? No, it was the, uh, playoff preview. Okay. The 10 guest playoff preview, uh, 0.5 major league players on our podcast this year. Mm. Uh, I don't know who it's going to be, but I'll take the over. Nice. Uh, 0.5 in studio. Kevin appearances. Mm. Our brother. Did he have any last year? He did not. This uh, question gets at whether he's yeah, moving, moving back. to I'll Champagne. take the over because he's coming back to the 217. Nice. And lastly, probably the most controversial, 0.5 pregnancies slash girlfriends. Um, <laughs> I'll take the over, and we're not getting pregnant. so. You're going to date somebody else? Mm, not that, no. What do you say? Uh, I'll take the over. Wow. There you have it, folks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> those will be documented. Well, we're going to close out the podcast and talk about Paul and I's season-long uh, battle. So uh, let's close out the podcast. All right, Paul. Well, this was a, uh, a fun first podcast of our third year in the podcast business. I'm excited. Our, uh, be- our best days are yet to come. Sure. Uh, what, what's our plan for 2017? Our plan, um, we're going to podcast every Sunday, release it every Monday. We are going to both try to blog every day or Pete's every day. I'm every weekday. And then, um, at the end of each podcast, we're going to play a, uh, baseball video game. And it's going to be a contest between Peter and I. Yeah. So last year we did, um, a pick your team segment where we each would pick, Our team for the next week couldn't pick the same team twice uh i slaughtered paul on that and paul cheated and broke the rules uh do you remember what the payout for that was uh i think it was it was uh had to wrap better up that's right uh we also did a yahoo answer of the week and then a funny baseball name Mm -hmm. those were uh fun segments but we're we are retiring those and uh the time involved in those has been replaced by one uh, game of a baseball video game. So, 2005 MVP Baseball on PS2. It was ranked the fourth best sports video game of all time by ESPN back in 2013. Uh, it's fourth behind Tecmo Super Bowl, NHL 94, and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. 2005, so this would be before the White Sox won the World Series. That's right, and the, and the Cubs are still decent. So I think we do Cubs-Sox, Every week after the podcast, recording, uh, and then just the better record at the end of the season wins. we'll just talk about it on the podcast. We're not going to have you listen in or... Uh, So we'll play after the recording. So we won't really ever talk about it. I guess maybe other than just uh, overall win-loss discussion. But I'd like to uh, periscope the uh, ninth inning of each contest. Mm -hmm. So uh, check back on our Twitter... Uh, to, to to watch the ninth inning of each contest. Uh, but all this will start in two weeks because next week uh, I will be on my annual friendcation with my friend Matt. So you'll hear from both of us. We're going to Kansas City. Uh, but then Paul and I are each going to record an interview with a uh, Cubs and White Sox expert. So you'll get kind of a preview of our two favorite teams on, uh, on next week's episode. For those of you that played our over-under game, thank you. Uh, very much uh, we had 55 entries i believe over 50 entries record turnout yep so this is our second year doing it had uh, a lot of fun uh seeing all the entries come in uh, you can check back on our website com for standings throughout the year and i'll also have a blog post up later this week on trends that we saw how the majority of people voted uh for or against certain teams in that contest uh, and we'll also be able to track certain projection sites like Baseball Prospectus and Fangraphs, 538, Sports Illustrated. Uh, so it should be a, kind of a fun way to watch the season progress. Getting back to our video game, Paul, I think um, I have a, uh incentive f- for the winner or a prize. What's that? So the winner gets to pick a baseball bumper sticker that the other has to put on his car. Wow, that's good. So I was looking at some uh, late last night. My top three for baseball bumper stickers. Uh, first one, I can't keep calm. I'm a baseball mom. Wow. Uh, number two, honk if you're headed to baseball practice. <laughs> and my third one, thou shall not steal with a person stealing a base. Okay. To, uh, to put on your car. That's bold. Can you remove a bumper sticker? Like, uh, like five years down the road? Maybe. Yikes. Now, it's a it's bigger deal for me because I have a, a better car than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both your cars are won't, won't probably exist in five years. Now, if we buy like a new car in June, we have to put it on the new car? Yeah. Wow. That's good. You agree? I agree. All right. Uh, well, that does it for our uh, podcast, Opening Day Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Make sure to leave us a review there. It helps get the word out to more people. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud, if any of those are how you listen to podcasts. You can send us emails at afootinthebox at com. We really would love uh, your emails, so send us uh, those, uh, afootinthebox at com. And you can check us out on Twitter at afootinthebox, and check us out online at afootinthebox.com. That's where you find all of our writing this season. Uh, it's an opening day tradition, 30 in a row. We're going to close out the podcast with the uh, Terrence Mann speech from Field of Dreams. Uh, But, Paul, do you have anything before that? I do not. I'm excited to get started another year. Reminder to keep a foot in the box. Happy opening day. Ray, people
1: will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. But it is money they have, and peace they like. Ray, just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers. They'll sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game, and it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick they'll have to brush them away from their faces. Ray, when the bank opens in the morning, they'll foreclose. People will come, Ray. You're broke, Ray. You sell now or you lose everything. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good it could be again oh people will come Ray people will most definitely come